All right, so hello to everyone, and welcome to the Strong Woman in Star Wars panel. Uh, I know you're very shocked that we're going to be discussing how many times Luke dies in Episode 7 tonight, because it's <laughs> going by the name of the panel. I'm completely kidding. We're not talking any Force Awakens spoilers, don't worry. Uh, so my name is Brie Lavornia. I am a staff writer for Tashi Station, uh, half of White Hot Room, and also half of House Organa Shop. I have the wonderful uh, privilege of moderating this panel tonight. Um, it's a subject that is very near and dear to all of our hearts, as you'll easily see in a few moments. I'm going to let all my wonderful panelists introduce themselves in the interest of not butchering any of their last names, because no one really wants to do that. So, who are you? My last name is Young. <laughs> um, which, What's your first name? <laughs> uh, well, I was just saying, like, you wouldn't butcher it. Uh, my name is Brian Young. I write for uh, a number of websites like Big Shiny Robot, uh, but StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider, um, which isn't a website but a magazine. And I do a podcast called Full of Sith. Uh, and we talk about Star Wars a lot. I'm Beth Dolner. I don't have any fancy credentials like Brian. Um, I'm just a really big Star Wars fan. Um, I'm a member of the 501st Legion. Um, and actually, I have some trading cards up front if anybody wanted some. I've got Admiral Dalla and Tuscan Raider. Yay, Dalla. I hope we're going to be talking about her tonight. <laughs> we just might. I think I can make that happen. Hi, I'm Nicole Tapp. I'm mostly a um, fan artist concentrating on post-Return of the Jedi and OT stuff. I'm the other half of House Organa Shop, and I don't write for any official site either. I mostly just write a lot of meta about girls who live in Star Wars land. <laughs> I'm Travis Graham. I write for RebelsReport.com, focusing like on fan art and stuff, and I run a Star Wars podcast called Full on Force. And I just really like Star Wars. Hi, I'm Kate Serna. I write for fangirlblog.com. And I am co-host on a podcast called Hyperspace Theories that's all about Star Wars, too. So to start things off, I'm going to ask everyone who your favorite female Star Wars character is. Rules are, cannot be Leia, it cannot be Padme, and it cannot be Ahsoka. Even, you feel, free, feel free to caveat, hold on, hold on. There's a method to my madness, I promise, because Leia is one of my favorites. But just in the interest, because there are a heck of a lot more interesting and very strong female characters in this universe, legends and canon, than just those three ladies. So, Brian? That's actually uh, becoming a harder and harder question as we get into the new canon. Um, because we have so many. We have Sabine, we have Hera, we have Asajj Ventress, who I think I'm, I can't decide between, like, Hera or Asajj Ventress. Um, so I'm going to say a tie between those two? You can name multiple people. I accept that. I really like Ventress, too. She's she's pretty great. Um, but I have to go with Dala, partly because um, she's very polarizing. So when I tell people, people that I have a costume as her, they either love it or they hate it. There is no in the middle. And I kind of have fun with that. I love Dala, too. But um, my favorites, other than Leia, um, from the new canon are Sabine Wren and Yvonne Verlaine from the Princess Leia comics. And then um, from the Legends canon, it's Mara Jade and Jaina Solo. Um, I love Hera. She's my favorite, but I think one of my new favorites is going to be Phasma. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always loved Jaina Solo in the Legends, and out of the new canon, I would say Hera is also my favorite. And I'm hoping Rey is going to be my favorite, too, because I'm a little dedicated right now. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really awkward if, like, yeah. you go into the I'm film. I'm going to go in the theater and be like, start taking the costume off. Like, oh. I think they I have know. laws against that. <laughs> <laughs> not all the way off. Okay, like that's, that's hard, good. So it's not recognizable anymore. Yeah. Okay. I figure it's only fair for me to say my own t favorites as well. So aside from Leia, my absolute favorite is Winter Selju, followed by Darth Revan. I am waiting for the angry muttering in the room from someone. <laughs> okay. I, I was waiting for the angry muttering about Revan being a man, in which case I'd say, no, 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 that's... <laughs> It's Legends. It's Legends. <laughs> okay. so, so to all of us, like, what, what makes a strong female character? I mean, we're not looking for dissertations here, but, but to you, when, when you look at a female character, what, what makes you say, oh, she's strong instead of, oh, you know, just another female character? 
anyone can jump in. We don't have to go down the line. Uh, that they have, uh, they go their own way. They do their own thing, and they aren't under anyone else's uh, thumb or influence. Which is why I can say, on one hand, I really love Hera, uh, who's doing absolutely what she thinks is right, and Ventress, who's doing everything she can to get out from under the uh, uh, out from under Dooku, from the Sith, to find her own path in the galaxy. I would say also complexity of character. They're not just one thing. They're not just a fighter. They're like you know, they could have a soft side to that kind of stuff. So, actually, you bring up a really, really good point about like what the difference is between, well, two points rather. What the difference is between what I like to refer to as being a strong female character TM and a strong character who happens to be female. Because a lot of times yeah. in in films, we always see, oh yeah, she's a strong female character. When a lot of times, I think. You know, we would consider her to be a stereotypical man, male character they just put boobs on. Yeah. Because action, I mean, a lot of the action characters you see in the films, I mean, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we got this great lady. And you're like, well, you didn't really give her any depth. So, like, to you, like, what, what becomes the difference there then? Like, what? Well, I just, you know, so many times it's like they're just... They, they fight and they're really tough and maybe they swear or something and, and you don't have to be that like you know like Shami is strong and she never fights anybody but she, you know she has convictions and she does what she thinks is best even if it doesn't make her happy and those are more real than I, I can't think of anything stronger than giving up your only son yeah. to live the life he wants to live um, I think when it comes to what Bria was saying about, you know, the stereotype of a strong female character being just any normal, like, male character, um, but with, you know, gender, gender flopped, um, I do think that my favorite um, female characters in Star Wars do all share some sort of issue that kind of reflects, like, real world world sexism and whether they're like in the process of overcoming that or you know already have whatever just the fact that they're affected by it I think makes it a little more um, cohesive so you mentioned that Mara J was one of your favorites before so what would be an example of what you just said for say Mara or Jaina um, the fact that Mara's arc in the Thrawn trilogy is all about her finding her own agency and um, finding her own place in the galaxy after um, spending her entire life as the Emperor's Hand. I think uh, Ray Sloan um, kind of fits that a lot re- uh, really well, too, especially in the... I don't think it's a spoiler because it's the first couple of chapters of Aftermath. But she's talking about how from between the time in A New Dawn to now, um, the reason she's one of the people in charge is because she wasn't, she, she'd she been passed over and she'd, she wasn't uh, one of the people they pulled into the Death Star, which probably a good thing for her. I want to go back to Shmi for a little bit because I think she's a very, very fascinating character who really gets the short end of the stick when it comes to discussions from, from fans just simply because she was in The Phantom Menace. So... Beth, I think before earlier, you, you know, you, you mentioned before that you really liked Shmi. So, like, what what is it about her that makes makes her so intriguing to you? Um, I think what I like about Shmi is that she she never thinks about herself. It is always about putting her son first and doing what's best for him. And she she's just so stoic. I mean, she just you know her heart is breaking, giving up her only son, her only child. Um, to the Jedi, but she does it, and she she does it without shedding a single tear and letting him know how much it's breaking her heart. And I just, I, I think that her strength is really um, underestimated because she she partly because yes, she was a fan of Menace, but also we don't really get to know her. We don't really know what her background is and what her life um, is like prior to our our first seeing her on the screen. Um, and it would be neat to kind of know a little bit more about how, how did, was she born like that? Was it all the things that she went through that made her that strong? I think she, there's a lot of depth there that we never really got to explore. I'd love to see how she became a slave. Yeah, I would too. Well, there's an interesting question we could always ask. But going, like, we see a lot of strength from all the other Skywalker women. And as well, Shmi doesn't pick up a blaster or a lightsaber. I mean, 
I would definitely say that her descendants, and even Padme, will count her as a Skywalker woman for this purpose, are all definitely strong, strong women, even if yeah. we don't... I mean, you know, yes, they fight, and they're more a little, little more stereotypical with the action and everything. But what, what makes them special to you guys? And actually, Brian, I'm going to start with you, because you started a very interesting online debate a couple weeks ago uh, in regards to Leia. Because you guys all know about the metal bikini and the whole discussion that always goes along with it and how everyone always refers to her as Slave Leia. You came up with a different idea. Um, We thought that the whole point of the costume, uh, we were talking about how the point of the costume isn't that she's a slave, it's that she sort of escapes that um, on the Full of Sith podcast. And someone uh, tweeted at us like, "I, I couldn't figure out why we didn't like focus in on that and uh she suggested the term hut slayer that she was hut slayer leia instead of slave leia and if you notice in all the marketing um initially from lucasfilm for the for the longest time slave leia was not a term they used that was something that we as fans applied to her and then they just stopped resisting that and uh you know i think that there's something very powerful about leia being put in a situation um, of her own free will where, where she's, you know, part of the plan is for her to get captured and kill Jabba. And uh, I don't think she's ever really a slave in that situation, although she is objectified by Jabba, and it's horrible, and I still want to know where Jabba got that costume so quickly. <laughs> um, Are you sure you want to know the answer to that? Well, I, I'm sure he has, like, a seamstress or a tailor on, on staff. Um, Worst job ever. <laughs> yeah, Java's slave tailor. Um, um, yeah, but uh, but I think that it's more important to focus on the fact that Leia put herself in that situation. No one took anything from her, and she used that situation to literally choke Jabba to death with the chains that he'd put on her. You know, there's an interesting parallel that Shmi was a slave, mm-hmm. and we always talk about slave Leia, slave Leia. We don't call her slave Shmi, so it's interesting That's that we don't identify her as that. When she actually was called outright a slave, yeah. and Leia never was. And then we don't differentiate later when she's a free woman. Right. On Attack of the Clones. Free me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a new hashtag campaign we're working yeah. on. It. I guess I'd have to be bring me back from the dead and let her be free. But that's a little bit wordy for Twitter. Yeah. Like, what, el- what else about Leia do you guys love? Um, one of my favorite absolute favorite things about Leia is just the fact that she transcends so many different um, experiences and I just I just love looking at um, all my friends who love her so much and they're her favorite Star Wars character and I just think all of us are so different in terms of personality and our lives and everything, yet we all love Leia the most. And it's, you know, not just because she was for so long, like, the main girl in our franchise. It's, there's just something about her that I think everyone can pick out. Like, um, I, like, my, I love, um, Leia's, um, stoicness throughout the original trilogy, And just seeing how, you know, that was um, written in the Princess Leia comic and seeing her vulnerability come out in The Empire Strikes Back. And, I mean, like, if you ask any Leia fan what your favorite thing about Leia is, they will tell you something different. And I think, you know, that's it. It's just, like, her kind of universal appeal. (laughs) And if anyone here has not read that Princess Leia comic by Mark Wade you absolutely should go and find it. Uh, it was a five-issue miniseries. We are hoping that maybe Marvel will return to it at some point. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I have to agree with everything Nicole said. Uh, one of my favorite things about Leia is how brave she is, but also how vulnerable she is. And it really shows throughout the whole trilogy and like even in the new comics, which are like really good, you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah. Do you think that sometimes people just sort of miss that she gets a little bit vulnerable? Because... I know one of the criticisms that was leveled at the comic is that she was too, that she was too vulnerable at times, and that she was too, she wasn't like action girl TM at times. In that comic, she was 
dealing with the fact that she was trying to save what bits of her culture were left after the Empire destroyed her entire planet. I think she deserves a little bit of vulnerability. I, I mean, I think she gets all the sympathy um, she wants. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the thing I really love about Leia, um, and the thing that I love that the prequels added to Leia and Luke, is that Leia is very much Anakin's daughter. All of that headstrong, brash, like, no, 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 forget about this. We're doing this now, and these are aggressive negotiations. That's Leia. And Luke is very much the diplomat, Padme's son. Um, and I really love that they had that role reversal, um, that, that gender role reversal in, in how their characters acted, where uh, if it were the other way around, if Luke were more like Anakin, he would have just turned to the dark side at the end of Return of the Jedi. But you brought up Padme. And that's possibly one of my favorite topics to discuss on the face of the planet. So what, what makes Padme interesting then? I mean, we first meet her, and she's, she's this very stoic queen. And we're like, okay, we're going to get her off her planet, which has just been invaded. And then we find out that she's actually the, been this handmaiden who's been right alongside them, helping out and, and you know, getting stuff done. And she leads the attack to, to help save her people. I think you just described what makes her interesting. Oh. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what makes her interesting besides that? Then, like, what, what what do you love about her besides like, like throughout the trilogy? Like, um, when I think of Padme, the first thing I think of is, oh my gosh, she was only 14 in the Phantom Menace, <laughs> and that to me just says so much about you know what her education must have been like. Um, you know, the support she got from her family, everything that, you know, made her so beloved by the Naboo people in just, like, a decade and a half of being alive (laughs) is just, like, mind-blowing to me. And I really feel like that kind of makes her kind of a folk figure in, in the Star Wars universe, even though, like, as we've seen, like, there's other Naboo royals who are you know, a similar age, it's still, like, to me, that's just one of the most impressive things about her is how early in life she achieved so much. You bring up... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I really like Padme in the Clone Wars um, TV show because I like her as the senator. I like her caring about people and fighting for what she believes is right, not necessarily with a gun most of the time, you know, arguing things and standing up for what she believes in. Um, one of the things I love about her, especially in Phantom Menace, is that A, she's one of the few people who actually tells Qui-Gon how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's like, no, we're going on the planet. Like, we're, I'm going to go. And I think that curiosity is something that's that's really interesting. Um, and it's, it's sort of... Uh, um, she's learning. She's had all this book learning. She knows how the upper classes live, and she wants to explore what those who who are less fortunate than her do and how they live and why how she tries to apply all of that to make her a better leader and to make better decisions and when it gets to the end of Phantom Menace it seems as though um, Jar Jar is a stand-in for all the Gungans and the Naboo have discarded them all completely and she's the one who says no uh, there's there's similarities between um, the discarded nature of, of Anakin and these slaves on Tatooine and the disnar- discarded nature of, of Jar Jar and how we've treated the, the, the Gungans over all these years and she's the one who actually unites all those people with the help of Jar Jar. <laughs> at the age of 14. Yeah, at 14. Yeah, which is what I really want to go back to because teenagers in Star Wars do a heck of a lot. <laughs> like, does anyone else watch these films and go, oh, so at 19, you blew up a Death Star. Um, <laughs> 19, you were a senator. At 14, you were a queen, and you won a battle. I'm a 25. What have I done with my life? Anyone else? <laughs> Unrest expectations? <laughs> there we go. Even, even better. So I mean, we've seen we've seen a lot of a lot of these very trying to not swear um, kick butt female characters. Um, <laughs> Who, who have done incredible things at a very early age, but then when you go and you turn and look at a show like Rebels, where we're seeing Sabine, who's 16, mm-hmm. it's a very different... Like, she still can, you know, blast those Imperials into oblivion and make it look pretty at the same time, but she's she feels like a little bit more... I don't want to say realistic, 
but a, a bit more grounded version of a teenage girl. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I totally agree. When um, ever Sabine says or does anything, I just, I cringe to myself because I'm like, that's how I acted when I was 16 too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and I think just, I love everything about the depiction of her as a teenager. Um, there's a quote that came out recently from Freddie Prince Jr. about how we're going to get to see what happens when Sabine, what was it, isn't allowed to paint and be left alone. And that just, like, yeah, that just, like, I just love that because bad things happen when I'm not allowed to paint and be left alone. And I'm not a teenager anymore. But, you know, it's just, I I just love the writers for putting in, you know, the whole, like, um, just the way she's questioning Hera's authority while she's also, you know, looking for adults in her life to really, you know, be her mentors, but while still disagreeing with them and while still really, really testing their limits. She also has, you know, that she wants to do more. She wants to get, find a fight, and that, that also seems more realistic. As a teenager, a lot of us have been looking for a fight. <laughs> um, I would say too like uh my daughter she's 12 and i really want her to be uh seeing characters at young ages doing really fantastic things and ambitious things whether that's uh leading her people or fighting the empire or doing something important and meaningful i really want her to be able to to see role models close to her age doing these things she loves ahsoka and she loves the idea that uh like she honestly with Star Wars there's three characters that she will really tune into and watch and everything else she kind of doesn't care one of them is Jar Jar but that's something else um, she's definitely your daughter Brian the other one the other one is Ahsoka she loves being able to insert herself into the idea that she could be a Jedi apprentice and the other one is Sabine because she's an artist and that was the first time she'd seen a character in Star Wars who liked all the same stuff that she did which is being alone in her room drawing um, and she really responded to that. And I'm really glad that they're giving us characters at ages that my daughter can relate to that uh, are interested in those things. So in other words, you think it's important that girls or any kids like your daughter or your son have a variety of different a variety of different role models that are on the screen that they can look up to and not just not just the people who are out there winning wars at the age of 14. I'm still not over that. Like, how how do you get to be queen at 14? That's unrealistic expectations for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gave me unrealistic expectations about my life goals. I found you could only be president. You can't you can't be elected queen in the United States. That's unfortunate. I mean, maybe not yet. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not conquering the United States anytime soon. Um, But you don't want to. You just have you know you don't just have queens, but you also have like girls who who went to the imperial academy and who now need to be left alone to draw sometimes do do you think we're do you think we need to see more of this type and do you think we're going to and and what's the importance of them aside from what brian touched on since he does in fact have a teenage girl i think it's really important because it's relatable you know that's what the main point of it is because like you look at padman you're kind of like well what did she do for fun and, and then you look she at read. Sabine, yes, a lot probably. <laughs> then you look at Sabine, and you're just like, man, she's doing all this stuff, like that Tie Fighter she made. Like that's just, I think we need a lot more of that because it's just relatable in everyday life. I um, I think it's also really good for young boys as well mm-hmm. to see girl characters participating in activities that you know they do as well because it really. I think helps them relate to them and see a young teenage female character as someone other than like the love interest or the action girl TM. That kind of goes back to the Legends books because if anyone else here read the Young Jedi Knight books, which are awesome, you have Jaina, who's 14, and what she loves to do nothing more than anyone else is to fix ships, fix anything mechanical, and her brother is the animal lover. Like there's a really great scene in the very first book where Han comes to visit them at the Jedi Academy, and he's got, like, flowers and a mul- something mechanical. 
And you, you know, it's sort of like a, a bait and switch. And then, like, Jason runs with the flowers. He's like, oh, my pet's going to love these. Great. And he just runs off. And Jana's like, oh, I can fix this. And go off, goes off as well. But that's something we only saw in the books. I mean, do you think it's equally important to have it in both? I mean, never mind. That's a leading question. Of course you do. <laughs> have it in both the books and, and, and the films. And do you think we're going to end up seeing more of this in The Force Awakens with characters like Rey and Phasma? I mean, we don't know how old Rey is, but given his age. I think that kind of diversity of strength is really important. That it, it seems like a lot of movies that we go see, like superhero movies and stuff, where there's a strong female character, um, she's good at fighting. And like that's kind of it. Whereas in Star Wars, we get these women who are good um, being creative, um, being technical, being politicians, being leaders, and, so, and, and fighters. So you get this really, really great diversity of um, strengths. And I think that's nice because then um, it shows that... It, you can do anything. You can do anything you want. And like you said, that that's not just for girls. That's for boys, too. That any of these things you want to be, you can be. It's not just about going out and kicking butt all the time. Um, I think it's super important for my son, uh, who's 13. Um, he doesn't try to assign, like, when uh, playing games or whatever with his sister, he doesn't necessarily say, you have to fit in this box because you're female, because he's seen all of these diverse representations that women have different roles, whatever different role they want to take in these, you know, so you've got Ventress, who's a bad guy, and you've got Ahsoka, who's a good guy, and you've got Padme, who's a negotiator, and you've got Shmi, who's a mother, and you've got um, almost as wide a variety of female uh, characters doing different things and doing things that they want to do that... um, I won't blame Star Wars entirely for this part of it because he's got really great parents like me. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the idea that he doesn't try to put his sister in a box because of her gender is helped by the fact that he's able to see, even subconsciously, all of these different representations of people who don't look like him or sound like him or share his gender um, doing different things instead of just being the mom character the sister character or that one uh, femme fatale character. So the popular theory, though, right now is that Rey's going to be the lead in The Force Awakens, which is something we haven't seen in the films before. I mean, it's either been, uh, you know, Luke or Anakin, although I will argue strongly that Padme was the protagonist of The Force Awakens. Um, but, I mean, aside from, like, how do you, how, like, what sort of effect do you think it's going to have on these kids, aside from, you know, your children? who clearly are ahead of the curve, who are going to be able to see characters like like Rey, potentially in the lead, uh, a really awesome-looking, at least, I'm assuming she's going to be awesome, female villain like Captain Phasma, and then, you know, Leia Organa. It's really hard to say Leia Organa solo. Um, <laughs> you know, potentially being... That may be a spoiler. I don't know. It, it is. It is. It's good. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that's a spoiler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, folks. Uh, you know, like her potentially being being having some sort of leadership role, and and still being like she looks like she's pretty active in that behind the scenes video. I will say that dressing up as Ray, I have a lot of kids who come up to me to talk to me about her, and it's really cool to see how excited they are about her. And I don't, you know, I don't think they even have any idea that she might be the lead. They're just happy to see her as part of this whole thing. And they, you know, I'm sure they're already making up stories in their head about what who she's going to be and all that. But, um, and hopefully they won't be disappointed when they actually see the movie. Uh, but, yeah, and, and I've also seen stories on Twitter of little girls who are so excited that to find out that Captain Phasma is a girl because they think she looks so cool. And um, I had a friend who... Uh, was an author on a Star Wars book and she was at a signing and some members of the 501st were at the signing and um, there was this little girl and she was all nervous to go up to the troopers and one of the troopers said you know um, if I took my helmet off would you want to try it on for a photo and the little girl got all excited and then the helmet came off and it was a woman under the helmet and the little girl just was like oh my gosh I didn't know that stormtroopers could be a woman and and she got even more excited about it and now they're like best friends and everything and yeah I think Ray and Phasma are already changing a lot of um, a lot going on in this franchise. Like, there's been a lot of controversy around um, marketing and you know toys not putting women at the forefront. 
And I think with Ray and Phasma, there's kind of no way getting around that. And um, marketers who really, yes. <laughs> um, marketers who still, you know, think Star Wars should be targeted at young boys, they can't really get away with that anymore. And um, I was reading a comment online um, from this guy who was complaining that as a Force Friday, Captain Phasma only came in women's sizes. And I just thought to myself, how do you think that feels? Oh, how the tables have changed. Yes. So, um, and I just, I just love that Lucasfilm is putting Rey at the front and center of everything. It's, you know, it's, she's here and Finn and Poe are maybe her sidekicks, you know? I mean, they're cool too, but Ray is the girl they're pushing forward on everyone, which is fantastic. I think they need to start making more Phasma merchandise, if nothing else, because uh, I've been here this whole time, and my wife took my kids to Force Friday, and I was like, my one instruction was like, can you get me a Phasma toy? And I am told, although I've not been home to even take possession of it, that uh, Scout, my daughter, has already stolen it from me. <laughs> Are you surprised? A little. Uh, it was mine. <laughs> I mean, I was hoping for an adult Phasma costume, but we just got the kids one, which is sad. First, I mean, I'm told the 501st is still working on that. Chrome yes. is very, very, very Art. difficult to do, and that 501st trooper armor, or the not the 501st trooper armor, the uh, First Order trooper armor is a pain. I'd so. be surprised if Anovos doesn't come out with one before the movie. I'd before be very the movie? excited. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. wait. Are you familiar at all with the Anovos <laughs> design process? We won't get it until no, well, no, I'm saying I'm sure they've already been working on it and it's top secret and they've got plenty of announcements. I mean, they just announced the first maybe. order helmet. Like, that doesn't come out until <laughs> yeah. next year. Yeah, you, you, you may, you may get the announcement next year and then you'll get the kit in like 2018. I don't know. I. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> this is as someone who's waiting for an Imperial officer uniform and really, really wants it to be here. I'm waiting on my Stormtrooper outfit. <laughs> we can get you one of those, too. Um, also, if anyone has any questions and wants to line up at the mic, we'll take them. Of course, there's a couple. Oh, yay. I love yay, questions. <laughs> Nancy, you're not allowed to troll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not everyone's that tall. So, um, I just wanted to say also that I really love uh, Satine and Aura Singh as well. They're completely different characters, but I think they're both really strong in what they do. Um, Aura Singh especially, she's just so well-known as like such a fierce bounty hunter. I feel like she's almost at that level as Boba Fett, you know. And uh, I love Satine because she's like that leader of her people, and she stays true to her beliefs as a pacifist, but she also makes these really hard sacrifices know in her personal life and in her uh in her uh you know political life but uh, i did want to say that i didn't realize how excited i was going to be for ray <laughs> especially when all the toys came out and i like <laughs> felt like a, i felt like an eight-year-old i was like oh my gosh can we go to the toy store please and we just want to see it and my favorite thing is i don't know if anybody else uh, follows the uh, actress on Instagram. I forgot her name. Daisy, Daisy Ridley. Ridley. She's Ridley. adorable. She's, I love her on Instagram. She's so entertaining. And she um, Instagrammed a bunch of videos of her and uh, the actress that plays Finn at this uh, toy store yeah. in, uh, in London. I think it was London. I can't remember what store. But it was great because they were both so excited to, like, you know, be a toy. And it was great to just see her at the forefront as, you know, the lead woman having all these toys, especially with all the controversy with, like, Black Widow and her toy line and everything, which really upset me, and I'm really happy just to see that. And I'm uh, that you know Ray's getting all these great things, and I love Phasma as well, and I'm just really excited about it. <laughs> Us <laughs> like, too. We are well, very excited. Okay, well that's what I want to say. Thank you. Can I say about Satine how much I love the fact that her sister is Bo-Katan? Yes, I was going to bring that up how different they are and they came from the same family and they obviously took different paths and that says so much too about um, differences in family and differences in people and, and how different things can take you different places. Thank you. you just stole like, everything I was going to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> Get on my brain, I didn't buddy. know you didn't jump on the mic fast enough. I, I, w I was holding back. <laughs> holding back, being calm. Okay. 
Um, I just wanted to say, add one more thing um, about Daisy. I'm just so excited for her to, um, you know, for young girls to look up to her because Daisy is so smart and eloquent and well-spoken, and I just can't wait for this press tour. Yeah, I think her and John Boyega are the most adorable thing I've seen in my life. They call each other Peanut. And I've never seen anyone, I know we're talking about women, I'm sorry, but I've never seen anyone more excited to be in a Star Wars film and see an action figure of himself than John Boyega. And I'm really just waiting to see the action figure that come out with old man Han and just hear the stories of John Boyega going up to Harrison being like, can you sign my doll, <laughs> please? <laughs> Which he did. I don't know if you guys heard the story, but like apparently he, he brought in like his 12-inch like Han Solo it was it the stormtrooper one? Yeah. I think his stormtrooper New Hope Han Solo into it, up like to the set and was like, "Hi Harrison, can can you sign this for me?" He's like, "It's kind of weird, but I'll do it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. Yes, I agree with everything you said about Padme and how she won the war and everything. But does it take anything away from? And I, Brian, I think you guys let us show about this. How she, we're told by the medical droid, lost the will to live, and does that take anything away? I call bull on that droid. I think that Same droid here. malfunctioned. Um, <laughs> that's my theory. That that droid was malfunctioning, and it's wrong. She had too much to live for. Yeah, that's what I think. There, so I... There's a theme through the movies, like especially in Attack of the Clones, where Dex is explaining to Obi Wan like droids don't understand this stuff. They can't look at things. They can only look at things analytically. And what is the Force? And what is um, you know, a, a soul or whatever, but something spiritual, right? And so the droids have no idea. They can't, like, we have no idea why is what the droid says, but she's lost the will to live, and that could be a physical thing rather than, um, I mean, I think the second Anakin touched her with the dark side of the Force, her days were numbered. Yeah. It, it's um, also important to remember that, you know, dying of a broken heart and losing the will to live is something that can physically happen to a person. And it doesn't mean that they're weak or anything. It just means that that's, that's how high their grief is. You know, even if they have children to take care of, sometimes it just outweighs, like, someone's physical health. And um, so I kind of agree in that sense. And also, you know, when you think about it, you know, it wasn't just the fact that you know, she was brutally attacked by her husband, who she loved so much, but just that the, the, the Republic was dying, and... It was dead. Yeah, like, just, like, everything that she'd seen in the past couple of days, and, you know, she still had this bright spot in Anakin, and in going home to Naboo and decorating the baby's room. You know, she had all of that to hold on to, but then Anakin ripped that away from her, and she just... You know, once she knew that, you know, her fairy tale wasn't going to play out the way she thought it would, I mean, I, if that's, you know, I don't think that really can take anything away from her because that's just, you know, such an astronomical amount of stress and grief for someone to handle in what, like two weeks? <laughs> About. Plus, I mean, isn't there kind of some evidence that these medical droids aren't very good? How did she not know she was carrying twins? I'm assuming yeah. I'm assuming she saw a medical droid at some point. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't one of these droids have picked up on it? I don't think they're the most reliable. But to answer your original question, I don't think it takes away because everything that she does in the first film and then in the second film builds, builds her up and makes her such a strong character that the method of her death shouldn't detract from that. Uh, if you look at the novelization by Matthew Stover, which is absolutely brilliant, um, it includes the whole political plot line that she had that ends up in it ends up in the um, the deleted scenes, which I would pay good money to have a cut involving those. I mean, she she's still active, she's still there. I mean, and like Nicole said, she just everything just caught up with her at the same time. So, I'm gonna feel like the odd man out here slightly, but I have this theory that pretty much every character that they've pretty much labeled for even on the toys that's the only like proof that discredits this theory of mine that pretty much everybody's names are just placeholders because we've never because force jj abrams has been known to trick us over the years george harrison khan star trek into darkness anyone i mean 
Uh, second, we've we've never heard any character names in the trailers at all, and no speaking lines. Well, so there's that. And I think that. Sorry, I was going to wait to that. I mean, we, they've said that specifically we haven't gotten Ray and Finn's last names on purpose. And, and also, um, I think it was some interview that it was some interview that J.J. Abrams said that Kylo Ren, the, the villain, yes, Ren is not his last name. No. Ren is a title, and Kylo Kylo was a name he just kind of took. We're assuming that. So, I mean, that in itself, him yeah. saying that these aren't, this isn't his real name, yeah. that says... It could, I mean, I, I don't want to get too deep into Force Awakens speculation and theories here, because there was a panel on that Friday morning. But um, anyways, what I just wanted to say real yeah, fast I, was I do believe that <laughs> Daisy Ridley's character is actually Jaina Solo. I'm still holding I on mean, to okay. that. I mean, okay, there's a very good, I mean... I didn't want to talk about the legend thing. I mean, there's a chance. I I honestly, truly believe that they would not be putting out marketing with things on it, with names on there, only to pull a bait and switch. This is Disney we're talking about. This is not. This is not. This is not J.J. Abrams getting to and anyone else on the team getting to do whatever they wanted on the Star Trek franchise. Um, They are overseen by the story group. They are overseen by Disney. They are. They have Kathleen Kennedy there. I mean, it's entirely possible. My pet theory is that Ray is a nickname for Brea, which is, you know, Leia's mother. Yeah. But, I mean, again, we haven't gotten their last names. We don't know anything more than that. And I think the chances of us suddenly getting revealed that Ray's name is really Jaina Solo are very, very slim. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. I um, Disney hasn't filed a copyright for the name Ray yet. But at the same time, I'm in the same boat. I don't think they would advertise that name this widely if it wasn't at least a nickname. Um, Ray is a um, Spanish girl's name that means king. So, I mean, that might, you know, be foreshadowing. And, again, I I love that nickname theory because I love the Organas. But, yeah. But yeah, just the toys is the only thing yeah. that really mm-hmm. discredits the theory, though. Yeah. I agree. But again, I mean, we're not trying to get too deep into yeah. Force Awakens speculation, yeah. but thank you. Mm-hmm. Grab the microphone, Nancy. <laughs> so uh, earlier they had a panel about Rogue One, and uh, Felicity Jones is the main character of Rogue One, which is awesome. But there were some people that were concerned that she's the only female that they've announced so far. Which brings up an interesting issue of intersectionality, and I think it's an important issue because, you know, we want diversity for women and everyone. So I was wondering if you could comment on that and how specifically when The Force Awakens cast was announced, people were a little upset, but then we got Lupita Nyong'o and Gwendolyn Christie, and it seems a lot better as far as that's concerned. I thought we go down the line just so everyone can potentially throw themselves on this. Okay. Um, I think that it's not impossible that we'll see other female characters. Um, I think the cast they have is really great. It's a very promising cast to start with. So um, I wouldn't count them out. And we don't even know what all those people, what their roles are. So for all we know, a bunch of those people could be secondary characters. I feel the same way. I think we'll get a lot more female characters, especially with Kathleen Kennedy behind it. She specifically said, a queen, that you know she wants more female characters, and that's what she's going to do. And like with the Rogue One picture, I know a lot of people were like, "Well, there's only one female," but like you said, like you know they could be secondary. You know, we don't know if those are going to be our main crew or anything. If they'll bring in other characters, that sort of deal. So I, I think we are going to see more female characters. Um, it's just probably it'll be closer to you. And also, there's we still don't know who's going to be on the Imperial side for that, that whole too. team. Yeah. yeah. I was also disappointed when I saw that, you know, Felicity was the only woman. I mean, I love seeing that, like, you know, there was so much racial diversity in that cast photo. I thought that was great. But why couldn't some of them be women of color was my first thought. Like, why not? Why stop here, <laughs> kind of? Um, 
But, I mean, I also agree. I mean, they're going to bring in more female characters, of course. But after the backlash of the first TFA picture, I just I just thought to myself, who thought this shot was a good idea? <laughs> I, I guess for me, I don't worry about the numbers. I don't care how many women are in the movie. I don't care the percentage of women to men. Um, I care about having good characters. I want the women who are in the movies to be good, strong, well-developed characters. I mean, going by the original trilogy, uh, apparently there were only like five women in the entire Star Wars universe at that point in time. Um, But we had Leia, and Leia was a fantastic character, and so I didn't ever think, oh gosh, I wish there were more women in the original trilogy, because I had a woman character who was so great and so strong that I um, I never wanted for more. So I just really care more about the character development and their story than the number of women in any of the movies. Um, for me personally, like, yes, I want to see more women in Star Wars, but I also want to see more diversity in Star Wars. And yes, I agree. Um, there could have been more, um, women of color in Star, in, in Rogue One, but the fact that they're listening and we have completely, like, aside from, uh, like the legacy talent, like none of the leads are straight white men and that's like really exciting to me because i've seen enough of that um as a straight white man i'm done like we can never make another one again (laughs) and i'm good because i still have plenty um so the like i was just excited that that it's obvious they've made that commitment to diversity and the ratio i think will play out over the course of the next few films uh over the course of the standalones um It'll it'll get better even if it's not in this one. They've they've proved that they've made a commitment and they're they're sticking to it. I've been trying to avoid jumping on this bullet for as long as possible. I hope you guys get distracted. Um, so I am a woman of color, and to me, when I saw that Rogue One cast, and I have a couple friends who can attest to that, and I saw that they had cast two Asian men, I rolled around on the floor a little bit and cried. Um, because I have never in in the film universe, except for you know background extra glorified background extras, I've never seen someone who looks like me on that screen. Um, it's amazing that we got Sabine. It, you know she she is animated and it's a much smaller it's a smaller draw. And the fact that we got not just one but two Asian men in that cast, I I, I feel like sometimes the internet wants to make me to being a bad feminist because I would love love to see more women in that film, but I would not give up a single one of them for for anything. Um, And I think the fact that that cast was, the majority of it was not straight white male is a really great thing. And yes, they could have had some more women of color or some more female characters on it, but I mean, who who do you want to turn to and say, well, we're going to pull this person? Like, you you don't get your representation now. I mean, did you want to say, oh, hey, Diego Luna, take a hike? Um, I thought it was really interesting, too, that uh, Donnie Yen's character appears blind. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, Fury Road kind of opened my eyes to the idea that there are characters, um, you know, we're we're missing diversity of ability as well. And uh, Star Wars hasn't really had that. Ex- I mean, the Skywalkers all lose limbs, but then they just <laughs> replace them easily. Um, and maybe Donnie Yen has like a Jordy LaForge kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, but it seems like they're getting closer to more of that kind of stuff, and that's exciting too. Plus, one of the white guys they cast is playing a computer animated character, correct? Or CGI character, right? Yeah. Haunted, yeah. So, I love you. All right. No one's going to kill me. Let's go. <laughs> On the heels of that. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, a few thoughts. I'm going to scatter shot them at you, and whatever sparks something. Do you want to bullet point them, and we can go down the line? <laughs> well, first of all, um, Inovos is working on the, the stormtrooper and Kylo Ren, and that's the only thing they've mentioned. Okay. I'm hoping that Phasma at least survives to Episode Eight. So. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Don't jinx it. Which yeah. <laughs> Everyone, knock on wood. I'm so the worried they pull them all with her. There are at least just half a dozen Phasma builds on the RPF right now. Most of them are guys who have been told, you know that's a girl, right? And they've <laughs> said, don't care. She's awesome. That's I like it. seeing that. Sorry. Yeah. Just on a point of that, I am really looking forward to seeing female cosplayers do that. For the same reason, like, I, the first time I see a female Phasma cosplayer, like, no offense to the guys, like, you are free to cosplay whatever you want within the realms of sanity. Uh, 
But the first time I see a woman doing that, I'm going to flip out as much as I did the first time I saw another Asian girl cosplaying as Sabine. Because it's that representation, that visual, visual representation that's there for the kids that they get to see. Here's someone who looks like me on the screen, and here's another cosplayer doing it. There are 3D files out there. There are PEP files out there. I was hoping to see at least a few here this year. I'm hoping next year there will be some significant representation after the movie comes out. Um, I think it's really exciting, too, that you put Phasma in Stormtrooper armor and instantly, retroactively, every trooper that's not necessarily specifically a clone or has a male voice could be a female. We have seen female Stormtroopers in, in canon in now. Canon, yeah, yeah, in yeah. New Dawn and uh, Lords of the Sith, I yeah. believe. And even though it's Legends now, the... Uh, the Complete Guide to Warfare mm-hmm. had that two-page thing about women who yeah. became stormtroopers, and if you make it through basic training, they don't care. You're a stormtrooper. Yeah. The rest doesn't matter. And it's like <laughs> the Star Wars account said on that Facebook comment. I mean, it's armor. doesn't need to be feminine. It's just got to be functional. That's right. Yeah. Coming up with Rebels and possibly Rogue One, Breha. She shows up, I'm going to cry. I... <laughs> You've got Leia and you've got Bale, who are massively active with the Rebellion. She can't just be sitting over here with her fingers and ears going, la, 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 I don't know anything about this. She's got to be involved in what's going on between Episode 3 and Episode 4. I think that's a very good theory. I'm going to let someone else talk about it. Nicole? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, accor- so in the Princess Leia comic, which is canon now, um, Brea is... Um, I don't think her title's been confirmed as Minister of Education, but she's performing the same exact roles as in Legends, which is where she first got that title. And her name, by the way. Like, her name was never mentioned in Revenge of the Sith. It was in Legends, which was brought over to canon. But I think she's um, really going to be making a difference by just teaching the young people of Alderaan just about um, pacifism, art, philosophy, all the things that I think, like, the the rebellion is fighting for, you know, just, like, everything the Empire's not. And, again, I would love that because it would be, you know, a female character who's a mentor who isn't necessarily, you know, out kicking butt with a blaster but is still making a difference and influencing the mind of, you know, the soldiers who are going to go out there and fight for her, like Yvonne. More bullet points? That was... That kind of blew me away. (laughs) (laughs) Have you you read Princess Leia? Yes. Okay. I did not get that much depth out of it, though. I need to go back and read them again. (laughs) Some people think about Alderaan more than others. (laughs) Two of them are on this panel. Never forget. Um... Dala. Really want to see her carried over into canon. Really hope they leave the weakness of her early character arc and late character arc out. Planet of Twilight Legacy of the Force is probably her strongest time, and that's... Yeah, I'd like to see her brought back as a little less crazy. (laughs) Maybe a little... I mean, I think some of her stuff is just a little outrageous. Um, and so I would like to see her as a, a slightly more realistic character because I think she did have a lot of, of positives and I think she did have an interesting story, but some of it got a little outlandish. There's a little bit that Ray has, or I, so I'll call her Sloane so we don't confuse her. <laughs> um, but especially I want to see a bit more about how someone who is a competent officer has to deal with the fact that everyone's gossiping behind her back about how she got her rank. I think she just uh, goes and complains to Tarkin about it. I think if you're going to see more of her, it's going to be because... Well, like, for one, right now, we have Sloan in the canon, but it's going to be one of the writers who makes it their pet project yeah. to smuggle her into some stories, and then once she's canon again, if ever she becomes canon again, other people decide to use her. But I think right now people are using Sloan the way I assume they would have used her. Or Pelion. I mean, that's a popular theory is that she's yeah. the new Pelion. Which is yeah. even cooler. Yeah, because she's a woman of color. I just want to point that out. It's That floored me when I read A New Dawn. <laughs> Anyway, discuss. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just did. 
Yes. Uh, a quick question. Uh, what is Action Girl TM versus like what Ahsoka and Sabine are? Like, what, what, I, I, what does that mean when it's stereotypical Action Girl TM? I don't know if I've ever seen I mean, well, it's... Like, what's an example of Action Girl TM? I mean, I'm, I'm mostly calling on, like, the trope. The t- there's a website called TV Tropes, which is a wonderful slash terrible time to way to waste, like, a zillion hours of your life. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's just, like, a different character traits that you see pop up over time. And they're not necessarily bad. And I probably misspoke when I said Action Girl TM. I did mean the strong female character TM. Um, mostly, again, it, it's where you don't see a well-rounded female character. You just see the female character who is there to kick things, or kick people in the face, or to, to blow things up. And the fact that she she's there and she can kick butt is her defining character trait, and they don't really develop her as as a woman or as a character or otherwise. Okay. Yeah. Um, any of you guys went to uh, San Diego Comic Con? There was one panel that's actually on YouTube right now, apparently, um, where there was a bit, like women in pop culture. Two of the people who spoke were Gwendolyn Christie and Daisy Ridley. Gwendolyn Christie gave an incredibly impassioned and well-spoken defense and uh, speaking up, really spoke very well about why and how women should be more included in pop culture and movies and everything else. Just recommend that. It's really great. Okay. Um, uh, I guess I really hope in the new movies to see female Jedi in, like, the movies. I mean, like, that's one of the best parts of Clone Wars is, like, Luminara and Ahsoka and Barriss, sort of, and... (laughs) (laughs) You don't know the can of worms you just opened with that. You know, she can come back as an Inquisitor. Brain. Brain. No, you started it. There are a lot of Inquisitors. She doesn't have to be this Inquisitor. She can be season three. You opened another door. But um, the the idea that it might happen. I mean, I'm especially. I really want Leia to like have a lightsaber. She doesn't have to use it. She just has to have one. (laughs) But um, to see like like women as Jedi in one of the main movies is something I'm really hoping for. I don't know. Just because that's not a role we we've seen them in so many roles, but that's not actually a role we've seen in the six main movies yet. We got moments of it with Ayla and Luminara and Barris were in Attack of the Clones, and I'm not saying it's enough, but I'm yeah. saying we got glimpses. My um, an item on my bucket list is to see a Star Wars film where a female Jedi is in like the ending, beautifully choreographed duel with the bad guy and. Yeah, and if and if that ends up Ray being Ray, I will just walk out of that theater on cloud nine. Um, the movie, uh, with the movie coming out and speak up, please. Uh, with the movie coming out and everything, and you know that there's always a limited time for them to explore each character and give enough background and storyline. If you had to choose. Which background story that you wanted to hear the most? Whose would it be going from? From from, from what? The Force Awakens? From anything? Yes. For, from the Force Awakens. Can from we, the ca- cast you know is going to be in it. I mean, do the girl characters. Yeah. Any character, really? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to say because we don't know anything about them. I mean, I. I to, to me, what makes me want to know the background of a character is seeing who they are in that moment and how they got to that point. So so for me, I mean, it, it may be that the character I most want to see the backstory for ends up being General Hux and not so much... It, I may want to see that more than I want to see the backstory for Rey because we, we may be able to see everything we, we need to necessarily know about her on the screen, and it's, it's difficult to say that before we see a movie. Phasma. Um... <laughs> Phasma, like, I don't know, she's, like, completely captured my imagination, especially with Gwendolyn Christie in the suit. And uh, every bit of acting that Gwendolyn Christie has done on Game of Thrones developing Brienne has been just a deliciously wonderful moment of storytelling and acting. And uh, I could watch her read the phone book and would happily do so. Phone books for kids are things they have numbers for people, phone numbers in them. 
Uh, we all know whose backstory we want, and that's BB-8. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think for me, I, I don't have any particular character from The Force Awakens that I want to see the backstory for, and that's partly because um, I am trying to avoid all news of the movie as much as I can. I don't want any spoilers. I want to go into the theater and be surprised and for it to be just like I was when I was a kid and I saw the original trilogy for the first time. Um, so I don't know yet which characters I would want to know more about, and I, I want to be surprised and I want to be delighted when I go into the theater. May the odds be ever in your favor for uh, avoiding right. those spoilers. <laughs> I'm trying really hard. Um, FASFA for me, too, I just have so many questions, like, what does her armor do? Why is it so special? Why does she wear that cloak? Is it ceremonial? Is it an award? Why was Gwendolyn so, like, ready to get on board for the role? Just everything like that. And um, also, I'm kind of already considering TFA Leia to be a different character. So I'm just kind of like, girl, what happened to you? You know? <laughs> okay. um, I'm not entirely sure either. Although I'm really curious about Lupita Nyong'o's character, Masconata, because we don't really know anything officially about her. So... What's she going to do? What? How big of a role is she going to have? You know, what is that character even going to look like? Yeah. All right, we are almost run out of time, so we'll try to get through your question fast. So Mad Max has had a big impact, in particular Furiosa. What impact, if any, do you think Furiosa is going to have on The Force Awakens and the following Star Wars movies? Not on The Force Awakens, because that one's in the can. Um... I mean, it's just what you were saying before about about characters with disabilities being able to possibly take the forefront. Yeah, I've always felt like, you know, it's Star Wars, and, you know, when you look, like, at um, just the amount of veterans we have in our own country who have disabilities as a result of their injuries, just, I mean, we, that would be such amazing representation to bring into the sequel trilogy. And also, I think a lot... Um, of what Mad Max has helped do is it's really helped, um, you know, the male demographic of, you know, action films all love Furiosa, all love the wives, and I think that's, we're really going to see a lot of that with The Force Awakens once it comes out as well. Okay. Well, thank you all very much for coming. Thank you. Uh, you Okay, plus you got you get to do your exercise time. So if you